Welcome to Downey's Diversity, a podcast that seeks to introduce Mainers to their neighbors old and new. Our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. Our mission is to collect, document, and tell stories of people and culture in Maine. We are extremely excited to introduce our first guest for our first episode, Donland, my dear friend Jason Brown. Jason and his wife Donna are the driving force behind the creativity and vision of Decanti and Brown in Firefly, both world-class and highly respected brands. Jason is a citizen of the Penobscot Nation and today he shares his incredible story with us. It's titled Donland for a very good reason, because we are located today for our taping in a very special place. And I want to welcome my friend Jason to tell us more about that. Well, thank you for having me. And it's an honor to be here. And the reason why it is so special is um, we are in Wabanaki land. And Wabanaki in our language means the children of the first light. And the reason why that is, is because when the sun comes up in North America, the first place that the rays hit is the top of this land, the top of Mount Katahdin. So I think in honor of both of our traditions, it almost feels right to start with some form of prayer. And I see you brought a drum with you. I did. Would you mind sharing uh, indigenous people prayer? I would be honored. I'd love to do a traditional Wabanaki welcome song for you. Wow, that was powerful. Thank you so, so much. It's my pleasure. It almost feels like I have permission now to to speak. (laughs) And I just want to thank you for making time to share your story. I think it's really important for us and for future generations to understand what it really means to be who we are and to embrace what we do and to carry on traditions. So let's go back to where it all began. You know, I always relish relish my childhood and everything that it offered me in terms of a sense of identity, right? And I know you grew up on Indian Island, right? Is that correct? So tell me about your childhood, anything that we've maybe not had before. 
Um, well, definitely. I'm from the Penobscot Nation, and um, I was fortunate to grow up on Indian Island, um, which is an island in the Penobscot River. The one thing that I love to say about our community is a lot of Native American tribes were forceful, forcefully relocated to, quote, reservations. Um, now, while, while um, our land got smaller and smaller and compressed, we always had a village um, for between 10 and 12,000 years. We always inhabited this island. And so um, it's, it's, you know, you can really feel that, that, that lineage, that the ancestry, the ancestors there, you can feel it when you walk on the land. I can feel it a difference when I sing there versus when I sing in other places. It's almost like an amplification, like I'm, like I'm plugged in somehow. And um, so we're really fortunate that um, we, we still live in a village that we always had. And, um, you know, growing up there on the island, you know, we, you know, a real strong sense of community. You know, everybody um, watched out for everybody else's children, you know, and, um, and, and shared cultural, cultural information, cultural knowledge. And um, it was just a, a big sense of community, a, a big sense of, of family, and the ability to just sort of, I guess, you know, run, run free, you know? I mean, we, we played in the woods and, you know, there was only a couple rules, you know, don't go across the bridge to Overtown and stay out of the river, you know? Um, <laughs> Cause that river could, can get a little dangerous, you know? And of course, what do we do? We would go and jump right in the river, you know? I tell so. you what, I do have similar stories from my childhood, uh, being up to a lot of mischief, right? Somehow the river kept calling. So my sisters and I would get into a lot of trouble going to swim in rivers where, as you know, in Africa, anything that could kill you lives oh, in it, you know? Exactly. If you think of, you know, hippos and snakes uh, and <laughs> crocodiles, yeah, yeah, <laughs> all yeah. of the above. But, you know, there's something about, you know, being so close and connected to nature. And I think that's where I feel like my, my, my connection to you comes. Uh, in, in the sense that I, I have similar stories that I could tell about, you know, running around barefoot, mm -hmm. eating berries and mm -hmm. swimming in the rivers and, and all of that. And, and, and not ever having a toy from the stores. If I needed one, I had to make one. Mm -hmm. And so I know that we've talked about this before, so I want to tell me more about that because creativity starts somewhere. And for most people, they can look back to where it all began and most people always point to their childhood. So tell me about your, your creativity and where you think you discovered that or where that started from. I think it started when I was born because I, I really truly believe that um, it, it, it's a gift and I was born with it um, as, a, as a hyper creative to, to be able to create in so many different areas. Um, as a child, um, you know, just painting and drawing and 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 building forts and creating worlds and and writing stories and making books and and just you know really pushing my imagination as a child you know um, it was fun to have store-bought toys but I would always um, you know do as many children do just do do so much more with them than what they were planned to do or, or, or intended for, you know? And um, I, I would always see different people, 
you know, doing like traditional beadwork or weaving or making fishnets and, and just working with their hands. And, um, you know, I was, I was that little kid that was a million questions, you know, just wore the adults out, <laughs> just a sponge, couldn't get enough, you know, to the point where, you know, at some point, like, would you just be quiet, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and I can understand that now that I'm older, you know, um, how that could, how that could wear somebody out, but, um, you know, as a child, you can't help it, you know, and yeah. um, I just... I just had an insatiable curiosity for for everything around me, and I just took it all in, and um, and it just I always knew I always knew that um, that I was going to be an artist, you know, that I was going to make my life about creativity and creating, and I didn't quite know what area that would be in, but I think even as a child, you know, I, I left that energy open because I don't like to be categorized or put in a box or, well, this is what you do and this is only what you can do because that's what you're known for. And I love to be able to explore and challenge myself in different areas. I love that because then in so doing, you open yourself up to endless possibilities when it comes to your creativity. And I think from the first time I got to know about you, I now know so much more about your creativity and I know there's so much more to come. And I know you are now passionate about music and uh, I know that love has always been there. It's just evolved over time. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I remember, you know, um, my first love of music really was, I have one of my oldest memories is as a, as a really young child, maybe five years old, and I had a toy piano and um, I just remember, like, you couldn't get me off that toy piano. I was just on it all the time, playing it and playing it and playing it. And then um, um, one day um, it was gone. And um, I remember um, being told that, um, oh, it just it disappeared, you know. We don't know where it went. And I remember you know, looking, like, probably for a week or two, like, just going around the house looking for it, looking for it, looking for it. I would wow. open up the closet door and pull everything out, you know, and just, like, I know I'm going to find it. I just, I missed it so much, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and I I don't know, you know, why it disappeared or what happened to it. Maybe maybe the um, the adults <laughs> got tired <laughs> of hearing me banging on it um, and just say, we got to get rid of that piano. I don't know, but um, I to me, that's a really strong memory that I have as a child of of um, you know loving loving music and, and feeling a connection to be able to like press keys or, or do something to make these sounds you know uh, my my grandfather was very musical um, he was all he would always play the guitar for us and yeah. he would sing to us and um, you know so I believe that it's it's kind of in there you know um, yeah. and um, just you know, moving throughout my life um just i guess you know like feeling connected to it but not really um not really knowing how to so i didn't really have um anybody to um say okay well you seem like you might be musical you know we should get you some music lessons or we should get you in a program or teach yeah. you how to do something you know what i mean with it yeah um so 
you know, that never really happened for me. Um, I remember just taking maybe like a little bit of piano class, like when I was in junior high school, you know, um, and maybe maybe for a year, maybe not even that long. Yeah. And um, so, you know, as I got older um, and it just seemed to be more and more um, of this energy that was that was, you know, wanting to to come out of me, you know. And, yeah. And um, just saying, well, you know what? I can't do anything about what did or didn't happen when I was growing up, yeah. you know, all I can do is something about it now, you know, Absolutely. so it's, it's up to me to, to put that energy into, into learning and into developing, you know, my singing. And I'm also um, teaching myself how to play the piano, which has been a lifelong dream of mine to learn how to do that. So, um, you know, it's it's um, it's never too late. It really is never too late. It really isn't. And frankly, growing up in Africa, I know a lot of friends who are now accomplished musicians that never set foot in any music school. Sometimes there are limitations with an education. And I'm not saying that an education is not a good thing, but I, I, looking back, some of the best bands that I ever listened to were comprised of friends who started just experimenting with, with the instruments. Mm. And my brother is a good example of that. He's an accomplished saxophone player. He has composed and written songs with zero music education. And I got the education and I haven't been able to do half the thing he's done. So I do have a lot of respect for, for folks like you who recognize that gift and figure a way to channel it. But um, I want to go back to your teenage years, right? So all of us have <laughs> memories. And for me, if anyone asked me if there's a point in time, if there's a point in time in your life that you could go back and relive again for me actually it would be my teenagers for so many reasons so without even sharing more about that uh, I want to hear from your perspective right so how was it like being a teenager on Indian Island I'm assuming that's where you still were yeah um, yeah I I was on Indian Island until um, seventh grade okay and then we moved um, to we moved to a different town um, mm -hmm. I would say for me, um, it was it was kind of rough. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is, um, you know, my entire life from, you know, from the time I was, you know, born and can remember being around other kids up and all the way up until seventh grade, mm -hmm. I was around the same community, the same group of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of them were relatives and a lot of them, you know, are just so close that we, it was just like one big family, you know, and the mm -hmm. same kids every year after year, same kids, same group. Um, and then all of the sudden to be removed from that and to um, mm -hmm. have to go to school with a bunch of other kids that you don't know any of them. Yeah. And then they all find out that you're from Indian Island. So they had a fun, they had fun with that, you know? Oh boy. Um, so, you know, um, it, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. It Absolutely. really does, you know. Yeah. And um, growing up on Indian Island, you know, I, I, I was culturally isolated, you know, which mm -hmm. is good and can maybe be considered not so good. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we live in a, in, a, in a time where you have to know how to navigate multiple worlds. Absolutely. You know? um, so I know, I know what my role is and I know how to conduct myself within my community and within my culture. Um, but you also have to learn how to do that too within a broader 
um, humanity, you know, Absolutely. and society. Yeah. And so it was literally, you know, as much as it would be for a non-native person to be dropped off on the reservation, culture shock, it was culture shock for me in the other direction. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I never had anybody, um, you know, um, like make, you know, when you're, when you're in your community, nobody ever says, oh, you Indian this, or, you know, or you just, you don't hear stuff like that. So when you leave that situation, you start hearing that, you know, like, I mean, I'm in seventh grade and I'm being called a drunken Indian, you know, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I'm not even old enough to drink, yeah. you know? Yeah. So learning how to navigate that, learning how to deal with that, you know, and it, and it made me tougher. It made me stronger. It made me more resilient. And Absolutely. you need that resiliency for life. You really do. I love that word, resilience. And I think I've heard that from many people who tell me that somehow um, my childhood prepared me for life better than theirs ever will. And the, it keeps going back to that word, resiliency. And frankly, the reason why I said I would go back to my teenage years is because it's the time in my life that shaped me the most. Mm -hmm. Because like you, I was going through a transition period as well of figuring out what my identity was, my place in the world and my purpose, yeah? Mm -hmm. And then soon after that, I came to the United States. Mm -hmm. So like you, I was thrown into this world where I had to reimagine life and then have to constantly navigate between two different cultures, right? right. And I, I referenced this in my TED talk where I say I had to create a new tribe in a new world, mm -hmm. right? And I'm, I consider myself a hybrid in many ways mm -hmm. because I still have to hold on to some elements of my upbringing because that's the core of who I am, that's the foundation of who I am. Mm -hmm. But I have to be open to transformation and adapting for me to be able to exist Exactly. in this new world so i really it resonates with me when you talk and when you reference that as well because i know there's one thing to be born within a culture where there's expectations and taboos and it's unspoken spoken and you know what is expected of you mm -hmm. and then suddenly you're in a world where you're branded right mm -hmm. yeah so thank you for sharing that because it's really powerful and it's it's good to recognize mm -hmm. that and then you meet Donna, who is one of my favorite people in the world, not only is she beautiful, but she's one of the most intelligent people I know. I see the power behind you, Jason. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about you and Donna. So Donna, um, Donna and I are married, and um, I met Donna. We met each other at her fifth birthday party. So we've known each other since we were five. And um, our, our mothers knew each other growing up. Um, was that an arranged marriage? Well, no, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it was, but it, it, it wasn't. Um, um, but that would make a good story, wouldn't it? Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, you know, in, um, we, we actually have a photograph um, because I don't remember the meeting her at her fifth birthday party. Mm -hmm. Donna's mother is Penobscot and her father is um, Algonquin Anishinaabe from Manawaki, Quebec. So mm -hmm. Donna actually, you know, when she was very, very young, um, was um, born and living in Canada. Oh, lovely. And um, her mother had come for a visit to Indian Island and it was during her birthday. So her grandparents threw her a birthday party and then of course they invited all the kids over that were of her age and so that's how we met and that's how we have a, a picture of them but mm -hmm. when I first remember her is when they moved back to Maine and it was first grade and um, mm -hmm. we used to all line up outside of the school on the island in the morning and um, you know the nun would come out and she'd ring the bell and we'd all have, line up by our grade and mm -hmm. I remember seeing her um, and I remember I still remember 
what she was wearing. I remember how her hair was cut, um, you know, and then she was, we were in school together that entire time from like first grade all the way up until when I moved in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we um, always remained close, you know, she, we, <laughs> we were um, each other's first boyfriend and girlfriend in sixth grade. Um, <laughs> our first date, you know, I took her to, we, we went to see a movie and I'm on, I'm going to date myself, but it was back <laughs> to the future. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, and we've always, you know, she's, she's, as I can remember back, you know, she's always been strong. She's always been, um, a, a strong energy, you know, and, um, her beauty is disarming though. It is. It yeah. is. She's very, she's very, um, of course, she's very beautiful mm-hmm. and she's very, um, she's very um, composed. Absolutely. You know, very composed. Lots of good energy. Yeah. And so you almost. And so in control. Exactly. And yeah. um, what, what you wouldn't realize um, unless you took it there is that. She don't have no time for no shenanigans, you know. <laughs> that, that Donna does not start trouble, but she shuts it down, you and know. And I think that's the thing that most people love about her. Because what you see is what you get. Yes. And what you always get is just pure love, support, you know, bundled with intelligence and mm-hmm. passion and commitment. I think I get all of that yes. from her when I meet her. And it's it's so inspiring, honestly. Yeah. And I cannot wait to have her as a guest <laughs> <She's excited. laughs> on our podcast. She's very excited. Uh, I think it would be lovely for people to hear her story as well. Yeah. And so I think of you as a hyper creative, someone who has given us so much and has so much more to give. And I know that that passion comes from somewhere. So what really inspires what you do? I, I really don't want to sound cliche, but mm. I would almost say everything inspires me, mm. you know, and you never know where it's going to hit or where it's going to come from. You know, I could be on my morning walk, um, which just recently happened and see you know, a springtime flower blossoming, but it's before the flowers open. And then it's just like, I just lock onto it. I'm like, that's a piece of jewelry, you know, and I'll take a picture of it. Um, you know, m- music, it, that's, you know, inspired by um, a lot of things that I've been writing about. It's, it's um, dealing with healing, you know, mm-hmm. and um, working through, working through things and, and putting that into my creativity. Um, I, we always, you know, talk about that, um, you know, everything in life is energy. We're made up out of energy. I mean, even this solid stuff, when you strip it all down, it's actually moving and it's, it's energy and it gives off a frequency. And, um, so if anything negative comes our way, which happens, you know, it's life, instead of taking in that energy and carrying it and holding on to it, you know, making it a part of, of myself, I try to flip it and say, okay, here it comes. I'm going to take it in. I'm going to flip it and put it back out as creativity, something beautiful, something, you know, that, that, um, you know, I can just, you can, you can change it. We can all do that. We Mm -hmm. can all do that. That's one thing that I, I love to talk about. And I find that I'm talking about it more, you know, is, is, um, I had to change my mindset, you know, and, and get out of, um, you know, maybe it's almost kind of like a, a victim-based mentality and mm-hmm. say, you know, 
I always look for opportunity, even mm-hmm. even when something not so good happens. You know, yeah. How can and it's not to downplay when when bad things happen. You know, yeah. um, but it's just it's just really my mindset and how to change that. Um, so, I. I, I find inspiration in that, you know, I find inspiration in obviously my culture, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the things that my ancestors did, the, the beautiful designs that they created. Um, and a lot of times when I really know that I'm onto something or that it's going to really click, it just, it, it hits me like a punch. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, and it just rushes through you know Mm -hmm. when I I find when I really sit and try to think about what I'm going to do and I'm really trying to develop and that's not how it happens with me you know it it really is like a like a signal comes through I pick up on it like an antenna and then I get to work and and then then here it is you know and then it's like okay then it's like then I kind of readjust my frequency and see what the next signal is going to be that's awesome because I love your work and I lucky me get to display one at my office in Northeast Taba. I cannot tell you how many people have stopped by just to look Marvel and I wish I could record every comment <laughs> and share with you but I just want you to know there's a lot of deep appreciation for your creativity I can tell you that and hopefully that energy is coming through your way every time it's projected um there's something else that we've talked about, which is in every culture you have people who are custodians of, of custom, right, of what would be considered the old, and there are those who are embracing what that culture represents now mm-hmm. and what the future might look like. Mm-hmm. So when I think of you, I think as someone who transcends both and all. Right? I see you as someone who fully embraces what your culture is all about, and I see someone who imagines what that could be and you're trying to create that moment for us now. Am I completely off in thinking that way? I mean, how do you f- see yourself uh, within the context of your culture? You, you couldn't have got it anymore, right? Um, it's, it's totally how I see myself. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, everything that I do is based in some sort of tradition, some sort of tribal story or legend or something to have to do with the culture, you know, um, which, you know, our ancestors handed that forward and handed that forward. Now, that's not to say that the way that it came to us in this modern time, it has to have evolved, you know, and I know it didn't change a lot, you know, but that energy, it's, it's the energy, like the songs, you know, we, there's no way to know if the way that I was taught songs by my elder is exactly the same way that they sang them, you know, 8,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. It may be, you know, it may be because of the oral tradition, like this is how we do it, you know, but I really have to feel, have to believe that every generation, you know, we, we um, you know, we had our own um, evolving and we put our own um, spin on it. You know, we mm-hmm. have everything that's going around, on around us um, at the time um, affecting, you know, this 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 uh, creativity and our culture and bringing that forward. Um, so, I what I've what I found is, you know, I I I just do what I do and I do what I feel is right, you know. And I 
I know that some people don't understand it because they have this mentality of what Native American singing or Native American jewelry should or Native look American or sound should like. look like. Should, yeah. You know, I should have long hair. I should be dark. Yeah. I should, you know, I should have a choker on. You and know. constantly adorned with all the Exactly. Work. I've had yeah. long hair in my yeah. life. I get really dark in the summertime. <laughs> I do own a choker, you know. <laughs> and uh, you always wear sunglasses. <laughs> I brought mine you know. in honor of Jason. <laughs> I'm gonna rock them on for a minute because I think there it's kind of cool. There you right? go. You got it. You got it. You know, and yeah. what what I really, yeah. I guess, if I had to distill it down into one main point about why I do what I do the way that I do it, it's to show people that Native people are current and we're also of the future. Exactly. You know, and I'm not doing anything different than what my ancestors did, which was to take what was handed to them and put their energy into it and put their their creativity and their twist on it and then hand it forward. And that's really how you describe history, in my opinion, really. It's it's dynamic and it's it's a bundle of all of all of those energies put together, in my opinion, and the evolution continues. Mm-hmm. Um I also think that, and we've talked about this a few times before, how everyone thinks of um, indigenous people as a thing of the past Mm -hmm. and their history as something to be learned from or just understood as something that happened or a moment in time in history that defined us, Mm -hmm. as opposed to something that is alive Mm -hmm. and lives amongst us. Mm -hmm. And so could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, you know... In this day and age, indigenous people, you know, we come in all forms. You know, we, I perform under the name Firefly and Firefly the hybrid. And the reason why I use that word hybrid, a lot of stuff that I do is, is um, it, it pulls in from the stories of um, our ancestors telling us that, that we, we um, communicated with star people and that we also came from the stars too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll see a lot of outer outer space, um, you know, imagery and things and what I do. So people assume the hybrid is me trying to say like that I'm, I'm part star person or whatever, but you know, if you believe in the, in the traditions, then we all are, you exactly. know? Um, mm-hmm. But for me, why I really use that is, um, you know, my, my, whole life um you know i was born i was uh you know born in bangor and raised on indian island raised in my culture um but i'm native i'm penobscot i'm also swedish Mm -hmm. i have swedish blood Mm -hmm. don't know really anything about that side of my family um, other than that you know my great-grandparents came over um from stockholm Mm -hmm. and um as little babies little children and then uh, moved to the swedish community in northern maine called new sweden so Mm -hmm. i have a lot of family up there um that i just i just don't know anything about that Mm -hmm. and um so my entire life you know um i was called a half breed you know and i was in it was it was like as if i had done something wrong like it was my fault that's crazy they call my kids zebras in kenya yeah, <laughs> black yeah. and white <laughs> yeah so so you you get it from both sides yeah you get yeah. native people say well yeah. you're 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 half white i'm more indian than you are you know yeah. and then you have non-native people <laughs> white people whatever well yeah. you're a half breed you know yeah. and it's like okay so um you know a few years ago i wanted to 
I, I just really, you know, started to come into my own energy. Yeah. And, um, and I said, you know what? No, I'm not a half breed. I'm a hybrid. Exactly. You know? That's and what I call myself. I'm a hybrid and I embrace both. And, and more, mm-hmm. right? Because there's more to it that exactly. we might not know. Yeah. Uh, and my kids the same way. I mean, if you imagine, of course, if we follow my husband's lineage, there's maybe five different uh, cultures built into one. Mm-hmm. And if you add mine, that's a mix of eight. The future does look like a mix, but we won't go there. I think coming mm-hmm. back to trying to wrap this up, um, we exist within a certain context, right? So we live right here in Maine. I see us as cultural ambassadors and I also see us as contributors to Maine culture. Uh, When I moved to Maine, I had to quite, it took me a while to quite understand what that meant. And now I fully appreciate what Maine stands for and who Mainers are. Mm -hmm. And someone told me, you know, they won't let you in, but they won't let you die, right? And it's true, I'll never be a Mainer in how they define a Mainer, Mm -hmm. but I feel like one of them in how they've embraced me, right? And in how they've not let me die, right? (laughs) In the sense that I get the support that I need and I have this sense of community, right? So um, I think coming back to you, I know that what you do is amazing and that I'm here, but I'm here, you know, in a space that your people, you know, occupied before all of us showed up. And we all exist in this space now where we're contributing to this culture mm-hmm. that the future will look back to and fully define it as complete because we added spice to it and made it beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts on any of that? You know, I think if you were to strip away, let's go back to first contact. Yeah. If you were to strip away all of the, the colonial stuff that happened, mm-hmm. um, I would I would feel safe to say like you know if if all kinds of people from your land showed up over here in Maine you know with with good intentions and just you know wanting to because it's well documented that we welcomed with open arms exactly. until we got burned and then we you yeah. know then it the story changed you know yeah. um, so I I think um, I think it's all about it's all about the, the, the energy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I understand the descendants and the ancestors of, you know, all the colonial stuff that happened. They're not the ones that did it, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I totally mm-hmm. understand that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think what we really need to do, and I'm certainly not the first one to say this, is, you know, we, we can't ignore what happened. We can't pretend it didn't happen. What we need to do is we all need to acknowledge it we all need to learn from it, make sure that it doesn't ever happen again and, um, and stop being so, um, you know, divided and, 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 you know, compartmental, like I'm this and you're that. And we're all humans, you know, Absolutely. we're all humans and people, they Absolutely. get into this whole race thing. And it's like, yeah. there, you know, there's only one race. It's human race. We just come in all different kind of spices, you know? Absolutely. And so when people say, well, I'm this race and you're that race and like all of everything is designed to, to create all these divisions and keep us all like, I'm this and you're that and duh, you know, and, I really feel like we're evolving out of that. And I really feel like if we're going to um, keep moving forward, Mm -hmm. that we need to elevate, we need to elevate our frequencies, we need to evolve out of all of that. We need to hold on to what 
our culture is and makes us special, but that doesn't mean that you know that our culture is the culture or it's better than somebody or else's the dominant culture one. or the dominant culture yeah. you know um and i i really feel like like um that's where this ship is sailing you know and some people are just going to miss the boat you know absolutely and for me i always go back to a value system and that's how i try to raise my kids i aspire to being the most kind-hearted forgiving tolerant person i can be now we're all human so if we can all focus on values that fully define a good human mm-hmm. i think it will begin to change how we view things mm-hmm. and how people view the whole race question mm-hmm. um oh my god this is so fun talking to you i could talk to you all night honestly <laughs> all day all night if i could with donna as well uh but i just wanted to kind of wrap this up by asking some crazy questions right do you have any regrets at all i mean i sometimes look back in and and wonder if i could have made some decisions differently so do you have any regrets i i really don't um you're, and you're really good <laughs> well that's not to say that there's things that i you yeah. know wish yeah. i could have done differently yeah but i learned from it You that's know, the way to go. I learned from it and how can I how could I yeah. regret, you know, um something it was a everything happens for a reason, you yeah. know. Everything really does happen for a reason and and it's it's all about learning and growing and um and not maybe re- repeating things of the past maybe when you didn't quite get it right and so you know you sound like my grandmother <laughs> you know what she would say she said there are no mistakes only lessons There exactly. are no failures, only lessons. Exactly. She always said that. So yeah. I quote the same when my son is asking me. And the other day he asked me, he said, Mommy, do you want to be famous? I said, absolutely no. I just want to be a good human being. And then he goes, um, do you think you really need to learn to fail to be successful? And then I remember channeling my grandmother going, there are no failures, only lessons. Exactly. <laughs> and mindset is everything mm-hmm. and having the right outlook and energy is the best, right? Creating that kind of positive energy. So I feel like there's a lot that we could talk about. Um, one last thing, right? You have a lot going on. You have some amazing shows coming up. I know that we recently featured you on Elevating Voices, uh, Greenlight Maine's new um, series that celebrates diversity in Maine business. Thank you for Thank doing you. that. It was such an honor to do that with you. And for those who missed it, you can find that on the Greenlight Maine's YouTube channel. And uh, for those who are your followers and your fans, I'm sure you have that posted on your Facebook page. Yes. Instagram. Yes. And all the other good <laughs> social media <laughs> sites that you are, you've subscribed to. Yes. Do you have a YouTube channel as well? Um yes, Deconti and Brown and Firefly both have YouTube channels. And for those who may not know Jason, I have to tell you that you make some of the most intricate, amazing jewelry that I've ever seen. And I hope you don't stop doing that. <laughs> I know music is the, your priority right now, and I'm enjoying um, seeing the journey of Firefly and where that's going to take you. And I cannot wait to host you in Northeast Ava in September. Mm. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Yeah, more to come on that as well, right? Oh, yes, that's yeah, going to be yeah. fun. That's going to be lots of fun. Yeah. I can't wait to hear all of your crazy ideas <laughs> and how you're going to transform my space. <laughs> well, you know, my, my motto is, you know, shoot, 
as high as you can <laughs> and then you scale it back if you need to so yeah. <laughs> yeah all right and for those and if you are to speak to if you are future jason and you were addressing a generation 50 years back because i'm hoping this is a time capsule we're creating here mm. what would you want that generation to know about you oops <laughs> that I would really want them to know that um, everything that I do, it comes from my heart. It nice. really does. And, and um, a, lot of, a lot of what I build into what I do, I don't explain it to people. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I just want that energy to come through. But, mm -hmm. but, but trust me when I say that, that a lot of it has to do with, with healing mm -hmm. and helping, mm -hmm. you know, through sound, through color through frequency, through vibration, through all of that. And, um, you know, I, there's, there's so much um, fear-based living, you know, on our planet. Gotta be mm -hmm. scared of this, you gotta be scared of that. Everything, you know, is a threat, you know, and um, I'm really trying to counteract that mm -hmm. with, with what I do. And, um, and um, I hope that energy comes through in, in my work. Tell you what. It does come through now, and I know it will. It doesn't matter what time or point in history when that happens. And I am just so thrilled, so honored to have met you. And thank you for being a part of my life now. And I hope we stay friends for a long, long time to come. So thank you so much for honoring us today. It only feels appropriate to end this with another song or a prayer of some sort. Are you up for that? I would love to um, sing another song for you, um, and and just before I before I sing, you know, it's it's amazing how we met, you know, how we got the chance to work together, and um, how our energies clicked, and how we've actually become friends. You know, it just yeah. isn't about this. You know, I, I I feel like, you know, that we we really have a great friendship evolving and um, it's, it's an honor to know you. It really is an honor to know you. So your inspiration. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> this song we sing, um, it's called Ella Bajigwe and we sing it as a blessing when people are getting ready to leave or go on a journey and the words in our language um, tell you to return to this place right here.
would like to take this moment to thank all of our supporters, you, our listeners, and most importantly, the Men Justice Foundation, Healthy Arcadia, and the Criterion. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in.